Clancy Pasta presents a work of fiction written by Sammy Scott. It was a little after six when I walked through the door of my apartment, closing and locking the big metal door behind me. I tossed my keys into a handmade wooden bowl on a table by the door and shrugged off my jacket, hooking it on the back of the door. I took a deep breath, walked over to the kitchen, and opened the fridge, retrieving a bottle of water. I unscrewed the top and flicked the lid with my thumb. It arced through the air and landed with a clatter on the kitchen counter. I took a drink while looking out over the apartment. I had only moved in four weeks ago, and the sight of it still made me happy. I had always dreamed of owning a loft overlooking the city, and this place was even better than I had imagined. High ceilings with exposed ductwork, hardwood floors, and windows that went all the way from the floors to the ceiling, revealing unbroken views of the city and harbor on the north and east sides. There were no interior walls to speak of, save the ones that enclosed the bathroom, and even those were largely comprised of frosted glass. The rest of the apartment was one wide open space, allowing me to strategically designate areas such as my bedroom and living room with large pieces of furniture, artwork, and area rugs. It really did look like something out of a design magazine, and it was all mine. I smiled. I looked at the clock on the kitchen wall, one with a ridiculously oversized face, a weathered metal frame, and exposed ornate gears. 6.05. Sarah would be here within minutes. She, like the apartment, was also fairly new to me. We had met about eight weeks ago at one of my book signings downtown. She had reached the front of the line, handed me a copy of my own book, and smiled. Immediately, I was smitten. She was like a girl right out of my dreams. I'm fairly certain in that instant I was more nervous in her presence than she was in mine, in spite of my sudden minor celebrity. But making conversation with her proved instantly easy, and when I signed the book, I impulsively included my phone number beneath my signature. Are you serious? She had asked, beaming. We had dinner the following evening and had been seeing each other regularly in the weeks since. We had an easy, enjoyable chemistry, and she was one of the few women I had dated that made me feel comfortable in my own skin, as comfortable as I feel when I am all alone with my imagination. There was a small desk set in front of one of the windows on the opposite side of the apartment. I sat down and opened up my laptop, booting it up, looking out at the evening traffic, the sparkling buildings, and the setting sun while I waited. Again, I breathed deeply enjoying the smell of the apartment, a pleasant mixture of wood, plaster, leather, and my own cologne. I opened my email and found numerous unread messages, but one in particular caught my interest. I opened it up and read, Hey, Sammy, just want to let you know I love the new story. Nice mix of creepy and meta. It actually messed with my head a little while I was recording it. It's up on the channel if you want to take a listen. Good job. Keep them coming. Thanks, Clancy. The email concluded with a link that directed me to YouTube. The channel was called Clancy Pasta, which featured narrations of original horror stories narrated by the titular Clancy. I had no idea if that was his actual first name, 
much less what his last name was. Some months ago, prior to my first novel being published, I had posted a short story called What We Have Here on Reddit, a story about a husband and a wife whose mundane communication problems quickly devolved into a horrific physical inability to communicate with each other at all. Clancy had reached out to me and asked if I'd be willing to allow him to narrate the story on his channel. After taking a moment to peruse his videos and realizing he had a subscriber base of more than 200,000, I realized this was a great opportunity to bring more exposure to my writing, so I said yes. In the months that followed, I submitted several more stories to Clancy, and he was always receptive and enthusiastic. The newest one was written specifically with Clancy's channel in mind. I could actually hear his voice narrating it as I wrote, and so I was particularly anxious to hear his recording of the finished piece. I clicked on the link and... After listening through the annoying but necessary ad, the story began. Clancy's warm voice came from the computer speakers. Clancy Pasta presents a work of fiction, written by Sammy Scott. I leaned back in my chair and closed my eyes, but story time was quickly interrupted by a buzzing at the door. Sarah. I paused the YouTube video jogged across the apartment to the front door, and buzzed her in. I unlocked the door, opened it slightly for her, and then waited in the kitchen, spinning the bottle cap on the counter. Knock, knock, she said as she pushed her way in moments later. We embraced and shared a deep kiss. She smelled like lavender, and her lips tasted like strawberries. I let the kiss linger and held her tightly her long, blonde hair feeling smooth and cool against my fingers. Good evening to you, too, she chuckled when I finally let her go. It's good to see you, I said, smiling. Good to see you, too, she said, smiling in return, her wide, beautiful grin reminding me anew of what had attracted me to her in the first place. How was your day? Good, I said. Let me take your jacket. She slipped off her jacket, a short red leather number that made her look like a rock star, and I hooked it over mine on the door. She dropped her messenger bag with a soft thud on the floor beside the door. She was wearing a black top over tight denim jeans and black boots and looked nothing short of spectacular. How was yours? I asked in return. It was fine, but I have to confess... I mainly spent the day looking forward to seeing you this evening. She stepped forward and kissed me again, a quick, playful peck. Me too, I said. She turned away and surveyed the apartment. Man, I can't get over this place, she said, walking across to one of the windows and looking out toward the sunset, the sun's orange glow changing the color of her hair and its dimming light. At the risk of sounding boastful, neither can I, I said, walking up beside her. You deserve it, Ryder Man, she said, nudging me. So, how was your day? Read anything new and exciting? No, I said, but I was just getting ready to listen to something on YouTube. I tilted my head toward the desk, where the open laptop screen displayed the paused video. Oh yeah? she asked. Have I mentioned Clancy Pasta to you before? Is that like creepypasta? She asked. Well, yeah, sort of, I said. 
Clancypasta is the name of a YouTube channel that features creepypasta stories. So it's like an audiobook, but on YouTube? She asked. Yeah. I mean, there's some subtle music in the background, and he usually pairs it with an unsettling graphic that ties into the story somehow. She stepped over the computer and looked at the screen. And the guy who runs the channel is named Clancy? Is his last name Pasta? I chuckled. I honestly don't know what his real name is, but he liked one of my stories on Reddit several months ago, before the book hit, and asked if he could narrate it. He has a pretty sizable audience, and I thought it would be another avenue for getting my stories out there. He's actually narrated five or six of them now, and the newest one just went up today. She sat down at the desk. A work of fiction, she read. What's it about? Do you want to listen to it? I asked. She hit the space bar on the laptop, and the story continued. She looked at me, cocking her head to one side as she listened to Clancy's narration. He has a nice voice, she whispered, as if trying not to interrupt the story. It's oddly soothing. I wasn't really expecting that from a horror channel. It is soothing, I agreed. I've seen several of his viewers comment that they listen to his stories in order to go to sleep at night. She chuckled. That's kind of a backhanded compliment, don't you think? Maybe the channel should be called Horror to Sleep By. I get what they mean, I said. But I don't think he'd have that many subscribers if his narrations weren't effectively creepy. Good point, she said. She scrolled down to the comments below the video. Do you read the comments under your stories? Sometimes, I said, feeling a little embarrassed at the admission. And? She asked. You have to take them with a grain of salt. You'll have one comment saying it was well written and scary, followed immediately by one saying it was derivative and dull. You really can't please everyone, and I've noticed this odd competition among the commenters to be the first to write a comment. There's also usually at least one person requesting a face reveal. A face reveal? She asked. So, no one knows what Mr. Pasta looks like? Nope, I said. I bet he's disfigured, she said, a conspiratorial note in her voice. Like he's some misshapen, damaged young man in a dank basement somewhere, reading these videos in the darkness, an audience of dead bodies posed behind him. Right, I said. Monstrous and disfigured, but with a smooth, soothing voice. She laughed, hitting the space bar on the laptop again, pausing the story. We've now talked through too much of it, she said. Give me a quick summary. I promise I'll listen to the whole thing later. Spoil it? I asked. You don't have to give away the ending, she said. Just give me the gist. She got out of the chair and walked over to the kitchen, her boots loud against the hardwood floor. You're going to laugh, I said. But it's about a guy who writes horror fiction and submits it to a mysterious YouTube channel for narration. Funny, she said, shaking her head. She reached for the fridge. You mind? she asked. Help yourself, I said. But I'm not kidding. That's what the story is about. I wrote it specifically for Clancy Pasta. Sarah opened the fridge. Hello, Mr. Bachelor, she said dramatically. 
What? I asked. Do you grocery shop at all? She asked. There's nothing in here but a few bottles of water. I walked over and looked inside the fridge. She was right. It was empty save for five bottles of water. I was perplexed. I tried to remember the last time I had bought groceries, or even had a meal at home. Most of my week had been taken up with book signings at local stores, with meals grabbed on the go between meetings with my editor. I guess we're getting carry out tonight, she said, grabbing a bottle of water and shutting the refrigerator door. Chinese sound good to you? Please say Chinese sounds good to you. Chinese sounds good to me, I said. Good. She took a swig of water. So, tell me more about your story. Right, I said. So, it's about a guy who writes this short horror story, but as it unfolds, he slowly realizes that he's a character in the story itself. Ah, she said, nodding. Very Twilight Zone. Serling, not Peel. Or Burgess Meredith, I added. Or Forrest Whitaker, she retorted. Marry me, I said, and thankfully she laughed. So what happens, she asked. You told me not to spoil it, I said. Just don't tell me how it ends, she responded. Well, he has this big existential crisis, of course. That's pretty much the bulk of the story. Him questioning his own existence and the existence of everything around him. And toward the end, if I manage to pull off the writing successfully, even those who read the story, or in this case listen to it being narrated, begin to question their own existence. Really? She asked. How so? What did you have for lunch two days ago? I asked quickly. What? She said. I snapped my fingers rapidly, taking a step toward her. Quickly, tell me, what did you have for lunch two days ago? It's a simple question, it's only been, what, maybe 55 hours or so? So it shouldn't be hard to answer. What did you have for lunch? She furrowed her brow, thinking, trying to remember. Wait a minute, she said, glaring at me a little while I continued to snap my fingers. Maybe you don't remember, because lunch is typically so routine and monotonous that it very quickly escapes your memory. Or maybe you don't remember what you had for lunch two days ago, because our story began this evening, and your previous meals aren't relevant to the plot. She grinned. That's clever. I can't wait to listen to it, she said. But first, Chinese. I'm peckish. China King? I asked. China Garden, she responded, pulling her cell phone out of her back pocket. Give me the number and I'll call it in, I said, retrieving my own cell phone from my jacket pocket on the door and turning it on. I'm looking, she said. I'm dying for an egg roll. Here it is, 555-1234. I lowered my cell phone. That's funny, I said. What, she asked. Five 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 one two three four. That's funny. Why? I paused, studying her face, trying to figure out her tell. That's a fake number. Why would they have a fake number? She asked. 
The prefix, 555. It's only used in fiction. What are you talking about, she asked. In fiction, in movies and TV shows, whenever they give out a phone number, the prefix is always 555. They don't use a real telephone prefix, or else the number would get inundated with prank calls. So the 555 prefix is reserved for works of fiction. Sarah stared at me blankly. I scoffed. You know the names of all four Twilight Zone hosts, and you've never heard of the 555 prefix? Nope, she said. And meanwhile, I'm wondering why we didn't have this riveting conversation before now, considering... At this, she trailed off, walking over to the front door, picking up her messenger bag, and plopping it down on the counter. She pulled out my book and flipped it open, turning it toward me. There, on the first page, in black ink, was my handwriting. I had written, To Sarah, I hope I can keep you awake at night. Sammy Scott, 555-6230. I furrowed my brow, confused. Your phone number has a fictional prefix, Mr. Sammy Scott, she said. I don't get it, I said not able to take my eyes off the book. Well, while you figure everything out, I'm going to the little girl's room. She stepped out from behind the kitchen counter and walked across the apartment. In the meantime, please call that fake number and get me a real egg roll and wonton soup. The sound of Sarah's boots against the hardwood floor faded as she walked away. I closed the book and looked at the cover. Edgar Bones, a novel of terror by Sammy Scott. I ran my hand over the cover as if I wasn't certain it was real. The familiar jacket design was subtle but effective, but at the moment I wondered why I had settled for something so simple and lacking in detail. I was still staring at it when I heard Sarah open the bathroom door on the other side of the apartment. Sammy? She said, her tone confused. I turned around. What? Come here, she said. She wasn't looking at me. She was looking into the bathroom, but not stepping inside. I walked across the apartment until I was beside her, then looked through the open door. Inside, there was nothing. No sink, no bathtub or shower. No mirror, no toilet. There wasn't even tile on the floor. Nothing but frosted glass walls on every side. My stomach clenched painfully. My first thought, robbers, disappeared as quickly as it occurred to me. I stood there silent for a moment, then walked slowly away from the bathroom door toward the desk and the open laptop. Sammy? She called after me. It wasn't relevant to the story, I said. What? she asked. I sat down in front of the screen. I used the scrub bar to skip forward toward the end of the video and hit play. Once again, Clancy's low voice came from the speakers, reading my words. Everything is fading, I said, my voice panicked. 
every writer will often leave details open to the imagination of the reader. If a bed is important to the story, or at least to building the setting, then you mention the bed, but the bedspread can be any color the reader wants it to be, unless that kind of detail is pertinent to the plot. Mentioning a potted plant on the windowsill can add literary texture, or it can be an unnecessary detail best left to the reader's imagination. But now, as I'm watching my world disappear around me, I'm realizing that those undescribed details never exist at all if the reader does not imagine them there. And once the reader is finished, what happens to the characters in the story? Or worse, what if, like the main characters in the story, the readers are coming to realize they don't exist either? Perhaps they are characters that exist solely to service a plot. Ask yourself this, Sarah. Do you know what you had for lunch two days ago? Sarah raced over and slammed the laptop shut. Clancy's narration ceased. I don't want to hear anymore, she said. I looked at her. In my story, I said. When it ends, so does everything else. Everything is fiction. Don't be ridiculous, she scoffed. I stood up quickly, pushing the chair away with the back of my knees. As I walked toward the front door, I took inventory of the apartment. A bed, a rug, the windows revealing a busy world outside. A big clock on the kitchen wall, a table by the front door with a bowl on top. The refrigerator. The kitchen counter with Sarah's copy of my book, her messenger bag, and a bottle cap on top. Our jackets hanging on the door. But there was nothing else. No other furniture. No bookcases. No television set. Nothing else that I thought I remembered placing there when I moved in. But then I realized I had no recollection of moving in at all. I reached the front door and pulled it open. There was a hissing sound as if the door was being pulled shut by outside wind. All in front of me was emptiness, a void, no sound, air, or light. I would describe the emptiness as black, but even that was not true. It wasn't black, it was nothing, and I knew if I should step forward, I would fall forever. I felt myself being pulled closer. I let go of the doorknob, placing my hands over my mouth, and the door slammed shut thunderously. Then I heard Sarah scream. I turned and looked at her. She stood by the desk, dressed in her black top, tight denim jeans, and black boots, her smooth, beautiful blonde hair framing her nearly featureless face. She had no eyes, no nose. Her terrified scream was emanating from her wide, beautiful mouth that was suspended in that attractive smile that had just moments ago made my stomach flutter. She screamed hysterically and smiled, her bald brow furrowed in terror. Her hands trembled in panic as her fingers touched her face, searching in vain for her eyes. I ran, not to Sarah, but to the desk the only piece of furniture on the other side of the apartment. The view through the window revealed cars not stuck in traffic, 
but simply sitting motionless in front of a sunset that had not progressed at all since I had last gazed out at it, its light reflecting off the water of a harbor that was as still as glass. I opened the laptop again and woke up the screen. The YouTube video, which had stopped when Sarah had slammed the laptop shut, resumed playing. There were mere seconds left to the story. With a trembling hand, I hit the space bar, pausing it. Then I clicked on the scrub bar and dragged the video back to the very beginning. I hit play. I mustn't let it end, I said to myself, breathless. I can never let it end. Clancy began to read. Clancy Pasta presents A Work of Fiction Written by Sammy Scott It was a little after six when I walked through the front door of my apartment, closing and locking the metal door behind me. I tossed my keys into a handmade wooden bowl on a table by the door and shrugged off my jacket, hooking it. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed tonight's story. If you did, make sure to check out more of the author's work in the episode description and go to youtube.com slash clancypasta to hear new episodes first. And if you'd like your story featured in an episode, feel free to email it to clancypastastories at gmail.com. You can always get your creepy cool merch at teespring.com slash stores slash clancypastastore. And I hope you all have a great night. Cheers. <laughs>